Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is, oh gosh, it's Saturday something, Saturday morning. Uh, this is Ask Zach, episode six, and I want to address the elephant in the room right off the bat. It is Saturday morning. That means that this episode will probably not come out because the upload, it takes a wall, like a long time for things to upload, and i got to edit it and do a lot of stuff today. This will probably not come out until Saturday evening. Which means that already, now by the time you're listening to this, two NFL games have already happened today. And you probably want to hear, Zach, what happened in the Vikings and the 49ers game? What happened in the, gosh, who's playing tonight? Is it the Ravens? I believe it's the Ravens and the Titans. Yes, it is the Ravens and the Titans. My point is, I don't know what happened because I'm recording this on Saturday morning. You're listening to this later in the day. Um, and that's coming. Have patience, guys. I promise we're going to talk about those games. Once the divisional round is over, I will record an episode talking about the four playoff games and having fun with it and sharing my opinions and my breakdowns of it. Um, but that's going to happen later, once all the divisional round games are over. So for now, this is Ask Zach, episode six. And you're probably thinking, how does Ask Zach work? We are reading questions from Patreon supporters. How do you submit a question on Patreon? You go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. You can give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want. Uh, a dollar a month is the bare minimum. A dollar a month gives you access to submit questions that I look at. I look at them with all my eyeballs and I pick the top couple and read them at the end of every, I guess not the end, at once a week I make an episode of the show and that is this episode and I read questions and answer them on the show. Uh, you can give more than a dollar if you want. Please do. It literally pays my rent. It's why we're here in this room right now. Um, and uh, if you donate, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. I, I, my only guarantee is that I look at every single question with my eyeballs and then I pick the best questions to read on the show and answer them in Ask Zach. Um, I pick whatever questions I find most interesting. I don't play favorites, none of that. I just pick whatever questions are best for the episode to make an entertaining, informative episode. And the way you get into the pool to submit a question, you go to Patreon, you support on Patreon. The first question of the day comes from Eber. It's Eber or Aber. I don't, it's E-B-E-R. I am so sorry. I have no idea how to pronounce your name. I appreciate your support though. If you send me a message on Patreon again, we should talk about like, how do you say your name out loud? I'd love to hear. He writes in, he says, hey, Zach. If you don't already know, the XFL released several rule changes recently. What is your take on them? Personally, I think they are intriguing, but so this is your show, so you talk. Thanks looking at this with thanks for looking at this with your eyeballs. So he wants to know my opinion on the XFL rules. Uh, the XFL made, to me, in my opinion, six, how many is that? Six major rule changes uh, to the game of football. I love five of them. I feel pretty lukewarm about one of them. I'm kind of, eh, we'll see how that works out. It's probably best for fans. We'll talk about the last, that sixth one at the end. But for now, these are the five rule changes that I really love that I think are um, outstanding improvements and in innovating the game of football. Number one, you know, the goal for this, by the way, these, 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 all these changes, the goal is to make the game more exciting. And I, more exciting, and I guess, honestly, at the same time, safer. It's all great. So the, the first change I want to talk about, the XFL has changed the kickoff. Kickoffs are now amazing. I love it. Uh, the ball is kicked. The returner catches the ball, he returns the ball, and that stays the same. Here's the difference, though. Now the kicking team and the return team start five yards apart. That eliminates the high-speed collisions. Usually you have one guy, team on one side of the field, one team on the other side of the field. They run full speed at each other and you know, spearhead each other, and that makes kickoffs really dangerous. Well, now that's gone. And I love this because you know I, I cringe sometimes when I watch a kickoff in an NFL game or a college football game because you see guys just get leveled, and it's like, ooh. 
that doesn't feel good. I, just, I don't like watching that. I'm not, I, yeah, call me soft. I don't care. Uh, this new way of doing kickoffs the XFL has proposed is a lot safer. And if I'm an NFL player or an XFL player, I guess I'm like, hey, put me on kickoff. I can do that because more about blocking now than it is about leveling your opponent. The, you know, every level of football should copy doing kickoffs this way. This is a genius answer to it because it focuses on the return. All the focus is now on the fun part of football, the blocking, the tackling, and running with the ball in your hands rather than two men slamming into each other with a 50-yard head start. This is a great, great, fantastic change to the kickoff rule, and I love it. I really love what the XFL is doing. The second change they made, and at first I hated it, by the way, there was now a double forward pass. And the reason I learned it, I hated it at first because I was like, sounds really cheap. I don't like the idea of being able to throw the ball forward twice. That sounds awful. Um, But then I learned the... The, the important part of that rule is that the first pass cannot pass the line of scrimmage. You can throw the ball forward, but you can't throw it beyond the line of scrimmage and throw it a second time. So all this really does, this is why I love it, it simplifies and it, you know, it, it, it makes double passes more efficient. I throw the ball to the receiver, the receiver throws the ball downfield. We see that a lot in the NFL, but the only way to do that in the NFL is if you throw a backward pass. Now you can throw the pass like slightly forward and then forward again as long as the ball doesn't cross past the line of scrimmage. I love that it works. It makes sense. It keeps defenses more honest. It's more fun. Like if I throw the ball out wide, the defense can't just rush up. They also have to make sure that they don't leave a guy wide open deep. It makes people more honest. It's going to have a, it's going to bring a whole new, I think, wrinkle to the game of football. And I really hope that offensive coordinators take advantage of this with kind of a, a read option style play where I throw the ball wide and you're looking to maybe throw, and if it's not there, just take off and run. That's a real legitimate like, strategy we're going to see in the XFL that I cannot wait to watch. Uh, this rule change makes double passes more easy, but it doesn't make them cheap. I, my fear when I heard this rule at first, without looking deep into it, was, oh, that sounds like a really cheap rule change. I don't like that at all. And I, I really am excited to see how coaches get creative with the XFL double pass. Now, the third rule change the XFL has proposed and is bringing into, the, and, uh, bringing into the game of football is now when you score a touchdown, you have three options. None of them are kicking the ball, which is really, really cool. So you have three options. You can run a play from the two-yard line and get one point. You can run a play from the five-yard line and attempt for a two-point conversion. Or you can run a play from the 10-yard line and try to get a three-point conversion. Now, in my opinion, first of all, I love this because... It's it's more in, every play matters. Like if you, when I watch a, a point after touchdown, a PAT in the NFL, I don't care. Usually they make it. They miss it sometimes. It does become kind of relevant. But this is even more fun and more exciting. And if it were me, if I was an NFL, if I was an XFL coach, I would go for two every single time, unless I was down like three points or something. Because from the from the two yard line, it's a little bit claustrophobic. There's not a lot of room to run routes. You're really limited. It's you would think, oh, we're closer. That's better. That's actually not better. Closer is. It's more difficult. There's less room to work with. Now, 10 yards from the 10-yard line is a little bit too far where, yeah, you can run plays, but you got to get 10 yards. That's difficult. If I were an XFL coach, I would run a, a conversion from the, two, from the five-yard line every single time. The five-yard line is like this perfect Goldilocks zone where it's just right. You have room to run a lot of plays. You can run routes downfield. They're not claustrophobic and crowded, but you have a little more room than from the two-yard line. And it's not, excuse me, it's a lot claustrophobic and it's a little bit... It's a little bit shorter than 10 yards away. Um, I think that from the five-yard line is the perfect amount of space to score. And if I was an XFL coach, that's what I would look for is I think a lot of teams are just going to go from the five-yard line every single time. The fourth change the XFL has brought in is that punts are different. 
So a touchback puts the ball at the 35-yard line. If you, kick, if you punt the ball into the end zone, that puts the ball at the 35-yard line. And if you kick the ball out of bounds beyond the 35-yard line, the ball automatically goes to the 35-yard line. I love this. What it does is now you have, a, you have less reward for punting the football. The, this rule change encourages XFL teams to go for it on fourth down. Also, there are going to be fewer fair catches because of this other change they made to punting, which is that because the punting team can't run downfield to make a tackle until the ball is kicked away, so that you snap the ball to the punter, the, the team has to kind of sit there and wait. Wait, 1-1,000, one, 2 1-1,000, you hear the ball punted away, then you can go run and make a tackle. What that means is that returners are going to catch the ball and have a lot more space in front of them, and they're less likely to wave their hand for a fair catch. They're probably going to see a lot more returns, which again, kick returns are good. Kick returns are fun. And this change is awesome because we're going to see, I just think it's going to really, really make the game more interesting with fewer fair catches, way more interesting stuff, fewer punting in general because we're going to have a lot of teams go for it on fourth down. Fourth and six on the 34-yard line, you're not going to punt the ball on the maybe the 40-yard line. You're not going to punt it away because it's likely you're just going to have the ball back on the 35-yard line anyways. So I really love this. I think all of the changes that the XFL has made to special teams, it's just genius, man. They, they really are innovating the game of football, in my opinion, from the special team's perspective. Now, overtime in the XFL is different. And I apologize. I know that I'm sure a couple times in this topic I've said NFL when I meant XFL. It's, it's difficult for me because there's <laughs> for a long time, there's only been one. There was one time I referred to the NFL. I was talking about uh, how the, it works in the NFL versus the XFL. But in this topic, in this new age of sports, like I'm really having a hard time adjusting my mind that professional football is not just in the NFL now. It's going to take some time. Please bear with me. I'm doing the best I can. Uh, now, overtime is different, though, in this new league, the XFL, as well. There's no coin toss. There's no one possession wins. There's no more ties. Here's how overtime in the XFL works. You have five alternating rounds with plays from the five-yard line. You run a play, then we run a play. You run a play, then we run a play. You do that five times. One round is a possession for each team. After five rounds, the team with the most points wins the game. Now, if there's still a tie after the five rounds. It's, let's say it's 27-27. Then you get a possession, then I get a possession. And you do sudden death. So, and what that means is you do one more round until there's a winner. You do a round. If there's a tie after the sixth round, you do a seventh round. Is there a tie after the seventh round? You do an eighth round. But the key to this is that if you score first, I will always get a rebuttal. I will always get an opportunity to score on the, se- on the second round. What you, don't, what you have in the NFL sometimes is teams get the ball first, they go down, they score, game over. That'll never happen in the XFL because you will always have an opportunity to respond if you get the ball first. If the other team gets the ball first, you will get the ball second and have an opportunity to put points on the board. I really, really like that about the XFL over time. So all those changes in my mind are outstanding. Special teams, uh, you know, overtime. I love the double pass. I love all of it. Now, this is the sixth change I want to talk about in the XFL rulebook. I'm less excited about it. I'm a little more lukewarm. Uh, This change is a 25-second play clock. So you have 25 seconds between plays to, you know, run in the new play, call a play, make an adjustment, run a play. And it's going to shorten games. It's going to make the game faster and more exciting. There's going to be less waiting. You know, there's time. In the NFL, when you watch that league, you see moments where you're sitting and waiting for a while. Like, when are they going to run next play? I often skip ahead, actually, when I record games. But this rule is for fans of football. This is not a rule to help coaches. This is my only concern about this rule. It's going to be great for fans because the game is going to go a lot faster. It's going to be more exciting and more interesting. 
But my concern is that 25 seconds is really quick to call a play, get lined up, and run your stuff. It might hurt. This may be, this may be silly. I don't know. I, I have no idea if this is a silly concern, but my fear is that it might hurt the quality of football because you have less time to adjust, less time to think over and mull over the, what you're going to call, less time to make changes. Um, this is a great rule. The 25-second play clock is a great rule for fans and speeding up the game. But in the NFL, you have 40 seconds between plays. In the XFL, you now have 25. I think the answer to, if you want to make the game faster, make it a 30-second play clock or a 35-second play clock. Uh, but 25 seconds, to me, I could be wrong. We'll see. Time will tell. To me, 25 seconds feels a little bit short for coaches and players from the coaching playing perspective. But for fans, which this league is for fans, for fans, the 25-second play clock is phenomenal. So... Uh, and all, I, I love all these rule changes. Like other, I'm a little lukewarm on the 25 second rule. I want to see how that play clock, I want to see how that works. But in totality, these rule changes are phenomenal. And the XFL is absolutely innovating and making genius changes to the game of football, particularly in the special teams world when it comes to scoring out, you know, point out or touchdown, the kickoff, the punting. The kickoff is, I'm so excited to watch a kickoff in the XFL. I skip kickoffs for the most part, unless there's a touchdown. I skip kickoffs in the NFL. I don't even pay attention or care. I now have a reason to watch kick returns in the XFL because they're going to be fun and exciting and they're going to be safe. It's going to be a focus on blocking and running the ball rather than high-speed collisions of men running at each other from 50 yards apart just slamming bodies into each other. These changes the XFL has made to special teams especially make me really, really excited. And I think especially the kick, the, the kickoff, every level of football, high school football, middle school football, uh, college football, the NFL, everybody should make that adjustment and change their kickoffs to reflect what we're going to see in the XFL. All right. Uh, the next question is from Adam. Adam writes in, he says, Hey, Zach, do you think there is a slight chance that Ron Rivera might pull a Cliff Kingsbury and draft a quarterback to replace Dwayne Haskins? I personally think if it does happen, it'll be with a second round selection. Uh, Adam, the Redskins might draft a quarterback. I mean, I don't see... Look, it's, it could happen. I certainly do not believe that the Redskins are going to draft a quarterback early in the NFL draft. They just did that with Dwayne Haskins. Uh, maybe later in the fifth or sixth round, they'll pick up a guy. Um, and I believe, as far as Ron Rivera is concerned, I want to be very clear on this. Ron Rivera does not appear to be sold on Dwayne Haskins. He's in a, let's wait and see. Haskins needs to prove himself and work really hard and have a great offseason to earn his spot next year. Uh, but I, so I don't think Ron Rivera is sold completely on Dwayne Haskins, but I don't think there's no way the Redskins do it again and just immediately draft another first round quarterback or even second round quarterback. They're not going to waste a pick that way. It'd be silly. Um, now the wild card in this whole conversation about who the Redskins quarterback is going to be is Alex Smith. Alex Smith is a veteran quarterback who was playing well and then had a horrific knee injury that really derailed his whole career because he was playing great. And now since then, he's had 17 surgeries. He's been in a wheelchair for a long time. And uh, now he's walking around. There, he might return. I don't know if he's going to return this year. Who knows? Like it's, very, it's all up in the air. Uh, but personally, right now, currently, in my opinion, Dwayne Haskins is the quarterback of the Washington Redskins until something changes. Dwayne controls his own destiny. He has an opportunity here. Everybody wants him to work. The Redskins front office, the coaching staff, He's their first-round pick. He's their young quarterback on their roster. The, front, the Redskins organization wants Dwayne Haskins to be their guy. It makes a lot of sense on paper for their future. And Redskins fans want Dwayne Haskins to be the guy. He just needs to do the work and make it happen. 
All of the cards are in Dwayne Haskins' hands. He is the quarterback until he does something wrong. And I, I think he's going to, I hope, I'm rooting for him. I hope he makes it work. But he's going to have to have a great offseason this year, work his butt off between now and the beginning of next season. That's what I'm looking forward to. I hope Dwayne Haskins is out there grinding every single day, getting ready for next year to keep his job as a Washington Redskins quarterback. Okay, Chris writes in. Uh, Chris says this. He says, hey, Zach, I'm from Australia, and I'm absolutely obsessed with American football. I tune into your podcast all the time and absolutely love your content. Keep it up. Two things. Firstly, I'm wondering if you will be able to draw attention to a terrible disaster that currently is happening throughout my country, which is bushfires. Right now, an estimated 1 billion animals have been killed, along with thousands of homes, which has affected countless lives. If you could ask your audience if they would like to donate anything, that would be so much appreciated, and everything goes a long way right now. The best place to donate is this link. It's redcross.com, uh, you know, redcross.org, forward slash AU, campaign, disaster relief, and recovery donate. I'll leave a link below in the description on YouTube. Um, iTunes listeners, this is a lot more difficult. So if you're listening on iTunes and you want the link that Chris has provided, uh, go to redcross.org.au and then Google after that, type in disaster relief and recovery. You can find it if you want. That's a, this is Chris's recommendation if you want to donate money to help the Australian bushfires. Uh, uh, it's really huge. Now, Chris does have another question about sports. Chris says, I'm wondering, he, so those are, you know, first of all, I said this. Secondly, I said, as I said, I'm passionate about American football and the NFL, and I'm driven to start something online of my own in the way of fantasy NFL slash NBA advice, betting advice, opinion pieces, etc. I'm keen to know what your biggest challenges were when you were getting your podcast off the ground and what were the most valuable lessons you learned. Thanks, mate. Regards, Chris. Um, it's a difficult question to answer. When you start a podcast, what are the most important things? Well, I think, first of all, get good microphones. Audio is huge. You got to have good audio. It's a, people listen to podcasts. I don't know how many times I listen to people starting a new podcast and the audio quality is terrible. And you're like, I don't care what you're saying. I can't listen to it because it's scratchy and staticky and terrible. But the number one, though, the most important thing, and this, this is a byproduct of having good audio. This is, what, this is the only thing I really tell anybody when people ask me this question because a lot of people... Oh my gosh. I feel like everybody in the world asks me, Zach, I'm starting a podcast too. What do I do? And it's, <laughs> and what's frustrating is sometimes you'll give people advice and they won't even follow it or they don't even, don't even ever start a podcast. They literally just waste 30 minutes of your time talking to you and then they never do anything. So I'm, I'm at the point now where um, watch this video, I'm going to put it out and then please, for the love of God, like unless you have three episodes out, I'm not going to help you because I'm tired of helping people that never do anything with my advice. Now, Here's the number one piece of advice I would give anybody. Make a product you like and you believe in. I mean, building something takes a lot of time. It's going to be a long time before people notice. It took me two years really to, to do Strong Opinion Sports for free. With you know, I, I was in school full-time. I was working full-time and doing the show on the side. I did that for two years, and very few people watched and listened until it got any traction. And so um, I would encourage you, man, be consistent. Be patient and be yourself. Make something you like that you're proud of that you believe in. Uh, you know, make make a show, make something that you want to, you would want to be a fan of. You know, I, personally, like I occasionally listen to my own podcast. I do because I, I like it. I, I'm a fan of Strong Opinion Sports as well as the guy who makes it. Um, I love it. I think it's really good. I stand by it. I'm proud of my work and I'm confident in my work. And that's huge. Make something you believe in. Make something you're proud of. Uh, that, that goes a long way. And then don't expect your fa- friends and family to listen to you. You know, my, 
it, it takes a long time. People that are close to you when you start something, they're not going to care. They're not going to watch. My dad was basically the only person in my life who said, Zach, that's awesome. Everybody else was like, he's doing some dumb YouTube thing. I don't really understand. Like, and I don't blame anybody. Like I was, <laughs> I worked at a car wash. I was a dropout. I was college dropout when I first started Strong Opinion Sports. It doesn't, it makes total sense why people didn't believe in what I was doing, but, um, you know, I, I, it, it is what it is, right? And by the way, I, it's been a long journey. I said, I mentioned college dropout. During the time I started Strong Opinion Sports, I was a dropout of college. I went back to college. I played college football. I left college again. Like, it's been a weird, wild, you know, roller coaster of a journey. But my point is that <laughs> no one, people might not believe in you. And you got to be okay with that and just accept that. That's reality. Uh, again, it goes back to this. Make a product you're proud of. That's it. Do it because you love it. Make something you like and believe in. If you do that, I, I think eventually... Um, if every day you make a product you actually want to watch or actually want to listen to or artwork you care about, whatever it is, make something you want to consume and that'll go a long, long way in the world of creating content. Justin asks a question. Justin writes in. He says, yo, Zach, Ron Rivera has brought in many staff members from the Carolina Panthers to the point that people are now calling us, calling us the Washington Panthers. What are some potential pros and cons of hiring the exact same staff he had in Carolina? Uh, Justin, I actually really like the fact that Ron Rivera is bringing a lot of his guys with him. Uh, you have to ask, why was Ron Rivera fired? The reason why Ron Rivera was fired was not necessarily because he was losing. Losing made it convenient to fire him. But the truth about it, Ron Rivera is a good head coach. And Ron Rivera had a lot of success over the years in Carolina. Had a lot of good players, had a lot of talent, taught a lot of people how to play the game really well. David Tepper, the new owner of the Carolina Panthers, here's the thing. And I don't blame David Tepper at all. But David Tepper, the new owner of the Panthers, wanted to hire his guy. And there, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I think Ron Rivera, a good head coach, got fired simply because he wasn't the guy the owner chose. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're a Carolina Panthers fan, I wouldn't be mad that Ron Rivera's gone. He wasn't the guy the owner wanted to work with. It wasn't his choice. I'll tell you what, if I, if I hired an editor to edit the podcast, I would hire someone I care about, that I like, that I know, that I trust. I wouldn't want to give my baby to someone to work with the thing I own that I love. I wouldn't want to give it to someone I was kind of handed to me that wasn't the person I chose. Like you got to understand from that perspective, it makes absolute sense that David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, once he had a reason to fire Ron Rivera, he did totally fine. But that doesn't necessarily mean that Ron Rivera is a bad head coach. Ron Rivera and his staff can coach. They're good people. They just weren't David Tepper's guys. And no party's wrong here. In my opinion, I, I don't have a, I don't think anybody should be mad that Ron Rivera got fired. And I don't think anybody should think Ron Rivera is a bad coach. I just don't think, I think both can be true that he's a good coach who got fired. That's actually possible. He just, David Tepper, the Panthers owner, again, had a reason to do it. So he did it when he wanted to. So Ron Rivera keeping a lot of his staff together makes sense. They, they did good things in Carolina. He got to a Super Bowl. They had been successful together, that group of guys. And now they're all taking on a new challenge together. That's not bad. That's really cool. And so the fact that the Washington Redskins are getting a lot of the Carolina Panthers' former staff, that's not bad. This is a group of men and women, whoever the team is, whoever the team's made up of, this is a group of people who have worked together before, have camaraderie, they've had success together, taking on a new challenge under a leader, Ron Rivera, a guy they probably really like and probably really respect because he did ask them to come along, and they said yes. So in my opinion, if I'm a Redskins fan, I have no problem or no concerns with the fact that Ron Rivera is bringing a lot of his former staff members from Carolina. 
No problem at all. I think it's actually a pretty good thing. Okay, the next question is really fun. Uh, with your eyeballs, my favorite username on Patreon, with your eyeballs, writes in. He says, Greetings, Zach. What is your number one movie when it comes to rewatchability? You could watch it over and over and over and over again and not get bored. Dude, I, I love that you asked this because I have a very specific, a lot of people don't have opinions. I have a very specific answer to this. I say this all the time. 2009 Star Trek, the, the movie from 2009 labeled Star Trek. It's a re- reboot made by J.J. Abrams with Chris Pine. I love this movie, 2009 Star Trek. I literally watched it. I'm not even kidding. Literally watched it last night. I know it by heart. Every single moment, beat by beat, every audio cue, every line, all the sw- each swell of music. I know the entire movie by heart. I literally, I'm not even kidding. I literally absolutely watched <laughs> Star Trek 2009 three times in one day. I was really sick and I just was like, do you want to do it again? Sure, let's do it again. And I watched it three times in one day because I love this movie. And that's who I am. I, when I love something, I really, I love it with all my heart. And I appreciate it and I enjoy it. Um, and every single time, every single time I watch the 2009 movie Star Trek, I get, I get happy. I, I just, it makes me happy. I really enjoy it genuinely. Uh, it's, I have two favorite movies of all time. There's no one and two. But Star Trek is a special movie to me. It's my favorite movie of all time. And uh, it's just a, that's the most rewatchable movie to me on planet Earth. Now, to tie it in, Clutch God writes in. Clutch God says, hey, Zach, not sports related, but what are your favorite movies of all time? Okay, um, I have two favorite movies of all time. I'm going to talk to you about my two favorite movies. And then I'm going to mention a couple more after that that are like honorable mentions that are really, really good. So my, my number one and two favorite movies of all time, there's not one and two, it's, they're both my favorite movie. And, and I know it's weird, I don't really care. I have two favorite movies that are 1A and 1B, and, or one, you know, there's no order either, it's just they're both number one. The first movie I want to talk about that's my favorite movie of all time is from 2009, the movie Star Trek. Best reboot I've ever seen. Uh, I love it. I love the TV series, Star Trek with Captain Kirk and Spock. And... Uh, this is a really special thing here. This is why I think it's the best reboot of all time. So they left the old TV show canon the same. All the adventures I loved from the TV show growing up stayed the same. They found a way to use the same characters and tell new stories by creating an alternative timeline. Oh, Captain Kirk, the one you loved in the 70s, the 60s, still there. Nothing changed with him. This is Captain Kirk again, but it's in a different alternate universe it's phenomenal. The way they tied it together to the old show, it's, it's literally, I'm not even kidding, the best reboot of all time. Uh, it honors the past, but it's also the new storylines. It's so much fun. I love it. Uh, the, the music, I literally, I'm not even kidding, when I work on Strong Opinion Sports sometimes, I play the ending credits music to 2009 Star Trek because I love everything about it. Every single scene, every, it's an amazing movie. Now, my other favorite movie of all time is a weird one because I'm a sports guy and I talk about football for a living. Uh, I love the movie La La Land. La La Land, a stupid musical with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling. They sing, and it's, I can't, I, I'm like, Zach, I, why do you like this movie? I love it, man. I love the songs. I love the music. I feel like a, I feel weird how, with how much I love it, but I love it, man. I sing the music in the shower. I play the soundtrack all the time. Uh, it's got this amazing ending that made me cry. I'm not even kidding. The ending to La La Land makes me bawl like a little baby. Um, it, this is a movie for people who 
have a dream. For people who have a dream of being successful someday, especially in the creative world, La La Land just punches you in the stomach and it just rips your heart out in the best way possible. Um, I should really do a film analysis of La La Land someday for my personal Zach Schaumler YouTube channel. Uh, I, I adore La La Land with everything I have. It's my other favorite movie of all time. Now, there are five more movies I want to talk about because <laughs> I, I do movies. I, I literally, I would make a movie podcast if I could. I love movies so much. Um, I'm going to mention five movies. One of them is better than the other four. So we're going to start with that most important movie. The most important movie of the five honorable mention movies is the movie Rush. It's made by Ron Howard. It's got Chris Hemsworth who plays Thor in the Avengers. And it's a story of two Formula One drivers from the 70s, Nicky Lada and James Hunt. And they have two opposite approaches to life and to racing. You know, James Hunt is all talent and aggression, but no preparation. Meanwhile, Nicky Lauda is far more technical. He's really well prepared. He's a lot less fun, but he's really highly prepared. They both drive a lot. They win races. They, you know, they, they, throughout the movie, they win races and they both are phenomenal racers. But the key point to this movie is that the reality of success and enjoying your life is probably the answer is somewhere between the two of them. They're, they're one extreme or the other. All fun, all gas, no preparation, all preparation, no fun. The answer to enjoying your life and being successful is actually somewhere between Nicky Lauda and James Hunt, where they meet in the middle. And that's why, you know, these two opposite approaches, neither of them is really right, neither of them is really wrong. They both have something's right and something's wrong. It's an amazing, beautiful movie with a cool analogy for life uh, that I love it. I, I love the movie Rush. It's really fun. It's fast. Uh, the trailer's terrible. Don't watch the trailer. It ruins the movie. Just go see the movie. And uh, enjoy the movie Rush. Now, the four other movies I want to talk about. Howard, I, I'll be honest about this. The movie topic got me. The XFL rules topic and the movie topic are the two topics for this episode that I was like, let's go. I can't wait to talk about this because I just, oh, I love it. This is why I love Ask Zach. Um, the other four movies I want to talk about. One is uh, The Peanut Butter Falcon. I watched it the other night. It's funny. It's fun. It's amazing. It's really um, it's about a Down syndrome boy <laughs> and Shia LaBeouf, 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 I don't know, however you say his name, Shia LaBeouf, uh, they go on an adventure together and it's really sappy. It's really sweet. I highly recommend it. It's got a happy ending and, uh, I, I really, it's just, a. my older brother has autism and so, uh, I have an older half brother with autism. So I, I really like, I, I tread lightly around the characters about mentioning anybody with mental illness or mental you know, disabilities or struggles. Um, but it really humanizes this guy and makes you fall in love with this character who has Down syndrome. And you go like, I think for people that don't, haven't ever been around someone with Down syndrome or around someone with autism, it helps you understand them a little better and makes you realize, oh, they're actually just people. They're people who need love and there's nothing wrong with them. They're, they just need to be treated and loved and respected the same way everybody does. And so um, The Peanut Butter Falcon, really, really special movie. I, I, I love it. It's phenomenal. It's really great. Now, Sahara, the second movie I want to talk about from these four honorable mention movies is uh, Sahara with Matthew McConaughey. It's got Rain Wilson, who is the guy. He's Dwight from The Office. And this is an action-adventure, like treasure-hunting kind of movie. And the way I put it is that if an Uncharted movie ever happened, Uncharted, the video game series, it would be exactly like Sahara. The tone, the feel, the everything. Uh, one of my favorite scenes of all time in any movie, probably actually the my most favorite scene of any movie, comes when... These two characters, the main characters, are on a camel riding through the desert. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm not going to say what the line is. I'm just going to put the video on my Instagram store, on my Instagram someday. I'll, put, I'll post it on my Instagram, at Zach Schaumler. You'll see it eventually. Uh, i got to find it and download it and do all the work. But 
someday I'll put that on my Instagram. It's going to be really great. That's, it's one of my favorite. It's actually straight up my favorite scene in any movie of all time. It's phenomenal. Sahara is a really fun adventure. Now, Annihilation is another movie. Uh, Annihilation has Natalie Portman. Annihilation. So, Peanut Butter Falcon, Sahara, and Annihilation is the third movie I want to talk about. Natalie Portman. It's a sci-fi movie. Um, it's really just... I don't want to get it to it. Just go watch it. The, the main point is that it's all about loss and grief. And if you can't handle a sad movie that's heavy on the heart, don't watch this movie. But if you want to, want to watch a really intriguing sci-fi movie that makes you think, go find Annihilation. And number four, the movie is Babel. Babel is a story that centers around three characters, a shepherd boy, uh, Brad Pitt, a, a guy on vacation, and a man in Japan. And the way that their three stories and their lives intersect is so interesting to me. Um, and it's a movie that gave me a lot of Babel. It's a movie that gave me a lot of empathy for the Middle East. And so those are the movies I love. Those are my favorite movies. That's my gigantic list of favorite movies of all times. 2009 Star Trek, La La Land, Rush, The Peanut Butter Falcon, Sahara, Annihilation, and Babel. Those are all my favorite movies of all time. Uh, I, I put a lot of effort into that. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I loved answering that question. I, I, movies, man, are one of my passions in life. And uh, that made me so excited to talk about that. Now, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm so, so sorry. I'm doing the best I can. It's A-C-E-O. I'm going to call it, either we call it, we could make a joke about it, say he's a CEO, or we could say you know, a CEO. I, I don't know how to say your name. I'm, I'm Ace? Ace-O? I don't know. It's a cool name. I wish I knew how to pronounce it. Please, one of the things I'd love it to do, if people could write in with their name, how, like, a, like uh, if your name's Justin, I don't need a pronunciation. You can make fun of me and do it if you want. Still, like Caleb writes in and goes, it's spelled, it's, it's pronounced Caleb. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool. Um, but people like a CEO, I, I don't know how to read your name and I'm so sorry. I'd love to know that though. I want to get it right. I mean, no offense. And when I mispronounce your guys' names, I'm so sorry. Um, but please, if you want to in the future, write in with a, a pronunciation next to your name. I'll learn it and I'll try to memorize them. And that'd be really cool to me. So a CEO writes in and says, Hey Zach, I just finished watching your episode with your dad's thoughts on Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. I was wondering how much of that was scripted and talked, planned out before the show. It flowed pretty well and was better than most sports talk banter on network television. Keep up the great work and the passion. It truly shines in your show. Um, it wasn't scripted at all. Uh, you know, we had an idea. Like I knew that I knew what his opinion roughly was in the Cincinnati Bengals, but we had nothing. We just knew what we were going to talk about. We didn't have a plan. I think honestly that my dad and I have uh, really good chemistry. I, I love my dad so much. He's one of my best friends in the world. And uh, it's really fun to record stuff with him. Like him and I uh, get along so great. We actually have another podcast called the Flawed Humans Podcast. It's coming to iTunes very soon. We have two episodes out. The third one's coming soon. It is on YouTube. You go to Zach Schaumler, the YouTube channel. The podcast is there. Um, I love my dad. I love making content with him. And uh, him and I just, I think, get along really well. I, I Really, that's high praise to say it's better than uh, some of that sports banter on network television. Uh, but it's a testament to my dad. I mean, him and I get along so great. He's got. He's an interviewer in his own right, and uh, him and I uh, just have a. I, I love my dad. We get along great and have a good time together. Ed Boy writes in. He says, "What is your ultimate Super Bowl party setup?" <laughs> I love this. Um, a Super Bowl party. If I was going to have like my dream Super Bowl party, a lot of people are like thinking, "How? How? If I had an unlimited budget and I had an unlimited space, what do you think Zach Schaumler would do with a Super Bowl party?" Here's the honest truth. No matter how much money I had. No matter how much space I had, I'm an introvert. I'm having a Super Bowl party this year, and it's my dream Super Bowl party. It's going to be my dad, his wife, me, Nathan Hawthorne, and maybe two other friends if they are there in town. A small 
quiet get-together with a focus on football. I want to watch the Super Bowl. I don't care about your life. I don't care about this or that. I'm here to watch the game with my best friends and my family. That's what I want. I don't want it loud. I don't want a crazy party. Here's exactly what's going to happen this year and the way I'm going to do Super Bowl parties literally the rest of my life. Because I don't like crazy parties. I don't party. I don't drink very much. I don't go out. I'm not loud. Other than when I'm yelling on the show, like, ah! Um, I I like to quietly focus on football. So my dad's going to come over. He'll probably make wings. His wife will make, like, nacho dip or something because that's what she likes to do. And then me and Nathan are going to sit on the couch. My dad will probably only watch the commercials because he doesn't care about football as much. He, he, lo- he, like, he loves football, but he really likes the commercials and cooking because he's a nerd. I'm a nerd. We nerdy about our own things. It'll be me on the couch, Nathan Hawthorne, my buddy who played Division I football next to me. And, you know, <laughs> we're going to sit and watch the game and talk about the game and I'll take notes and I have a notepad. And I just want quiet and peace and low lighting and uh, a small, quiet, low-key get-together. That's my dream Super Bowl party. That's what I'm going to do this year at my place. And... Um, you know, that's literally how, that's the way Super Bowl parties are going to go the rest of my life, the rest of my career. No matter how, like, like some people in the sports world make millions of dollars. If I made millions of dollars in the sports media world, I'm still going to have a small, low-key, quiet get-together because that's who I am. I don't, I'm an introvert. I don't, <laughs> meeting new people stresses me out. Uh, crowds scare me. I don't like, my old family, <laughs> not my old family, my, I used to live with my buddy's family. They have a crazy, loud, boisterous Super Bowl party where people are yelling and uh, I would always hide downstairs in my room and record the game and watch it later because I really hated being around all the noise. And people would like, where's Zach? They're like, oh, he's not here. And they were lying. I was actually downstairs. But I just avoid big crowds. Not who I am. Don't enjoy it. And I like a small, quiet, low-key party that focuses on actually the game itself rather than talking and hanging out. Because I don't watch football to hang out with people. I watch football to watch the game of football. Um, the next question comes from Cole. It's going to be a difficult one to answer. Cole writes in, he says, Hey, Zach, as far as I'm aware, this question has not been asked yet, but why do you love football? Personally, I could sit there for hours talking about why I love the sport, whether it's the strategy, exciting moments, or just the overall vibe. It's the only sport I care about. But I think it would be awesome to, for, to see you go in depth on why you love football. Um, oh, Cole. <laughs> I'm afraid to answer this question because I, my fear is I can't even do it justice or you know, answer this properly. Because for me, the game of football, there are so many reasons to love football. I mean, it's, it's the thing I'm incredibly passionate about. I love the game. And uh, I'm just, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm sure like in three days, I'll be like, ah, I should have said this and this and this. And, you know, there's so many moments in history. You know, football is such a rich history with, you know, emotion and, you know, mo- watching games and playing football growing up. And you know, I remember, you know, playing football with my little brother, tackling each other in the backyard or playing catch with them in the rain to try to get better at throwing in the rain because we live in the Northwest where it rains every day. Or watching Tim Tebow with my dad, you know, have a giant comeback against the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs. There are so many moments I can think of that make me emotionally tied to football. But when I think about it logically, um, you know, I, I love the strategy of the game. I think that, you know, the nerdy parts of the game are so much fun. I love breaking down film. Um, I think it's, I think football, to me, like, I don't know the intricacies of basketball or baseball as well. Um, but there's, there's a special type of strategy in football. I think a lot of people say baseball is a thinking man's game. I don't think that's true. I think you have to be a little bit smarter actually to play football than baseball. Uh, baseball is, uh, football is, is incredibly cerebral. The, part of the, it's physical, yes, but you got to be in the right spot. You got to line up. You got to know the offense. You got to know the defense. There's so much thinking that goes into it. Now, not to discredit baseball or take away from them. I just, I think football is the thinking man sport of anything. Um, it's like, it's chess with, with tackling. Now, um, the strategy has so much depth. I don't think people even understand that. 
Um, but the reason I love football, like my favorite thing about the game of football is the lessons that football taught me. Uh, you know, sports and football in particular offer so many life lessons. I mean, dealing with other people, working hard, preparing, studying, enjoying the moment um, in high school, playing high school football, playing college football for me, um, you know, when my time in college, my time in high school is where, you know, playing football on the football field is where I learned all the most important lessons I've probably learned. Not all of them, but football is definitely a, a leading starting point for me. And foot, the game of football taught me that you could learn life lessons and things. And that made me actually reflect outside of football to relationships and to the classroom and to this or that or work, whatever it was, you know, football taught me to pay attention and be introspective and learn life lessons. So, um, you know, the game of football to me is pain. It's heartache. It's success. It's the joy of victory. It's the community of your teammates. It's, uh, the authority of coaches It's learning how to listen. It's introspection, you know, having to make adjustments and do self-improvement. Like the game of football taught me so much about life and it, oh, I just can't, I can't even, I, I really hope that strong opinion sports, and I, I do believe it does. I believe that strong opinion sports reflects that statement I just made, which is that, you know, the game of football taught me about, a lot about life and the world of sports offers so many life lessons if you pay attention to them and you try to follow them and learn from the stories of people. Um, it's all true. My channel, my, my, you know, my podcast and audio, yeah, I break down film and I believe I'm really, really good at breaking down film. I'm, I'm really proud of the quarterback analysis videos I've done. I got a new one with Drew Locke coming out very soon. Um, but my strength and my, my passion really is focusing on the human element of sports, the life lessons that can be taken from it, uh, particularly football. I know football the best. Um, I developed a lot of connections in the NFL and in college. Uh, I have some friends in front offices actually throughout the NFL, which is crazy to me like that. I talk to people that work in the NFL front offices. Are you freaking kidding me? Like what the heck? Uh, and that's because I've made a show that people watch and I think some people respect it, which is amazing. Um, but to me, the game of football, it all boils down to the human element, right? There, there's a, if you want to, if you pay attention and listen closely enough, there are so many life lessons that can be learned. And that right there, that's what fires me up about the game of football. It makes me love it so, so much. Okay. Uh, Brandon writes in, says, Hey Zach, my question for you is what was your favorite achievement as a quarterback? Do you have any memorable plays that you were a part of or accolades that you cherish? I have three moments, you know, good and bad, that I want to talk about from the football field from my career. Um, my senior year of high school, we were down 24 to 3, down 21 points at halftime in the playoffs, the Skyline High School in Seattle. Actually, Max Brown. If anybody follows Max Brown, that's where Max Brown went to high school. We were losing 24 to 3 at halftime in high school in the playoff game. And uh, we came back and we won in double overtime. And it was, oh man, we, I broke a ton of records in that game, passing yards, passing touchdowns, completions, broke, shattered all the records in that game. And it was such a fun day. I enjoyed the game. And it was a big lesson to me because I, I talked about how Kirk, in the past I've talked about how Kirk Cousins used to like really psych himself out. I was that guy a little bit too as a quarterback. Um, all my best moments came when the pressure was off. When you were in a two-minute drill and nothing else mattered other than let's go score, it helped me focus. So I was actually better in, in more intense moments because I just was like, I have nothing to lose now. All I got to do is score. And I just it really pulled the good out of me. And so when we were down 24 to three, 
there's nothing to lose. I just was able to enjoy it. I was dropping bombs downfield and had a flea flicker and a ton of fade routes and back shoulder fades. I was running around and like, oh my gosh, man, it was just a blast. And I, I've never been more comfortable on the football field than, than that game. I mean, I, I really wish that that was my last game, my, my second to last game of my high school football career. If I'd had that game as a junior and, and been able to ride, you know, if I'd figured out the lessons I learned in that game and been able to do more of it, it would have been awesome. Um, I mean, I, oh, like I basically played flag football as a quarterback in that game. And that, that's why I'm, I think I'm really good at flag football. I, I love the game. I love running around and extending plays. That's my game. I play very similar, I think, to Gardner Minshew, actually, because uh, I don't have the strongest arm. I'm not the biggest, but um, I want you, here's my second thing I want to talk about. Look up River versus Skyview. River, Skyview, look it up on YouTube. Um, I'll, I think I have a video of it. I can link it to, link to it on, on a video of mine down below on YouTube. Um, we lost a game on national television. <laughs> it was my first ever varsity start. It was a gigantic rivalry game. Uh, I scored the game-winning touchdown, which should have been the game-winning touchdown, with 35 seconds left. It was my first ever varsity start. Uh, in a gigantic rivalry game. And I was like, king of the world. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm king of the world. It's my coming out party. Like, this is proof that Zach Schaumler is a great quarterback. I was all proud, you know. And uh, <laughs> we, we messed up a squib kick and they run the ball back for a long ways. And what happened was they got an opportunity to kick a field goal with seconds left. And they kick the ball. We block it. And, you know, we everybody runs, every, from everybody on our sideline, all our fans, our student section, everybody runs onto the field. And guess what? <laughs> it was a live ball. The, the ball was live. Uh, Columbia River, they picked it up. They ran it back for a touchdown. We lost the game. Uh, we were on World's Worst, which is like Keith Oberman making fun of us, literally saying us we were the world's worst in, in, in the world, I guess. That's how that works. Um, we were on Come On Man, which, God dang, it was painful. Because I, you know, we had this horrible weekend where we lose giant rivalry game. We're all sad. And I sit down on Monday Night Football with my dad to watch the game and just try to decompress from a crazy weekend come on, man, I'm all excited. And then I see River Skyview, and I'm like, <laughs> I can't even get, a, it's followed me to ESPN. I can't even get away from it there. Like, man, it was brutal. So it was just an interesting time of my, of my life. And it's a fun, memorable play because for the next two years of every one of our games, people had had world's worst signs or come on man signs. And it was awesome. And ironically in that game, I've talked about Nathan Hawthorne a lot in this podcast and in the past. He's helped me break down film. He played division one receiver in college. He was on the other team. You know, and people don't realize one of my best friends in the world played for our biggest rival high school. Like after games, Nathan and I would hang out, um, even though we played for rival football teams. And so uh, it was just cool, man. Uh, we actually were on not top 10 for that play where we beat out the Mark Sanchez butt fumble. We took that spot on not top 10. We replaced the butt fumble. Like it was kind of an honor. It's kind of, if nothing else now, it's an interesting story that got me five minutes on the podcast. But uh, it's one of my, even though it was a bad play that cost us the game, it's a fun memory for me that's like, I can't believe that happened. Like, we really, that happened, and it's, it's true. It, it actually happened. We had Chris Carter making fun of us on a come on, man, on Monday Night Football. Now, the third memory and the third thing I'm most proud of uh, as a quarterback uh, is actually uh, all the teammates. You know, all the relationships you make are so special. But there's one in particular where um, at my last stop playing college football, my last school, um, I became friends with a freshman offensive lineman uh, named Aram. He actually came to visit me last week. He's a brother for life, man. He, I, I love that guy. We really connected. He's had struggles. I've had struggles. And him and I just, man, we made a pact and we made a really cool bond. And I, I love that guy. Um, and, I, you know, all the friends I've made through football. Again, I've talked about Nathan Hawthorne. That's a guy we trained together growing up in the Portland area. And uh, there's just so many people like that where 
through the game of football, I've made so many relationships and so many friendships. And um, that that's what makes it special. The game of football is uh, having to work with other people. And even in the off-season training, you make friends. And so um, I, I love it, man. It's it's a special game. I love the game of football. I love – and those are, those are my favorite memories. That was the question was, what are my favorite memories? And that is exactly what they are. Now, Connor writes in. Connor says, hey, Zach, hope you're having a good day. Do you think, and by the way, Connor, I know who Connor is. He's a guy from Oregon. I love you, man. Thank you for supporting this. I can't believe you're a Patreon supporter. That's so cool. Um, thank you so much. I, I, I want to meet you and throw the football with you someday. He says, do you think that the Dolphins handled the situation with Josh Rosen well? It seemed to me like they didn't give him a fair shot. He didn't get very many opportunities this year, and his team around him didn't help out. Very similar to Arizona. Do you think Tua is the answer? Personally, I think they'll draft Tua and have him basically redshirt and sit behind Fitzpatrick for a season to allow him to get more comfortable, as well as have another season to provide him with more weapons on offense. So what should the Dolphins do? Is it Ryan? Is it Josh Rosen's fault? Are they going to draft Tua? Um, oh, there's a lot to unpack here. I feel really bad for Josh Rosen. You know, he was drafted by the Miami Dol- by the excuse me by the Arizona Cardinals. They were terrible. They were poorly coached. His coach got fired midseason, and then they got rid of him. They drafted Kyler Murray, who's actually, I think, a far better quarterback. Then Josh Rosen gets sent to the Miami Dolphins, who have a good coach, but they were a mess at the beginning of the year. And he had bad teammates around him. And here's the truth. Josh Rosen had bad teammates, yes. But he also has been on the field a lot as a football player, which means that whether he was prepared or not, which I don't think he was ready, I think he was put in too early, he was not put in a position to succeed, which is very sad. But you also do have to acknowledge that he did have opportunities. It's not like Josh Rosen has never been on a football field or had an opportunity. He's at practice every day. He's, at, he's, he's also played in regular season games in the NFL. So the truth is that despite the fact that he's never really had enough support, you do also have to acknowledge the painful, sad reality about Josh Rosen is that he has had opportunities and he hasn't taken advantage of them. Now, uh, the Dolphins situation is very interesting because they had a quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's like, I think he's 37 or 38 years old. And they rallied around, the Dolphins' locker room rallied around Ryan Fitzpatrick, which means that, hey, they got to play Ryan Fitzpatrick. If you're the Dolphins' head coach, no matter what, if your locker room wants this guy and he's playing the best, you got to give it the team. Otherwise, you're going to lose a locker room if you play a, a, a worse quarterback than the guy you have on the roster. So the Dolphins had to play Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I am sure that they wish that the Dolphins' roster rallied around Josh Rosen, but they didn't. I mean, that would have been way more practical. So... I'm slightly concerned about Josh Rosen. He doesn't seem like a galvanizing leader. That's a big concern is his leadership got really trumped by jo- you know, by Ryan Fitzpatrick this year. And then he also has really poor mobility. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the 38-year-old quarterback, appears to be way more mobile and better at extending plays than a young 22, 20, maybe 24, a young quarterback in his 20s. And being able to be mobile and run around and extend plays is a necessary trait for young quarterbacks in this day and age. And so... I am massively concerned about the future of Josh Rosen. He's had opportunities, he's squandered them. His style of play doesn't really fit the NFL anymore. And uh, sadly, Josh Rosen might not ever get another shot in the NFL. Maybe the Dolphins see him as their future, I have no idea. Uh, I, it, to me, though, it's, it's a little bit sad because he's got a lot of talent and he appears to be a wasted talent. He, he simply may not have it, he may not be good enough. Um, but I will say this, I really hope that Josh Rosen finds redemption in his career. I, I hope he succeeds. 
Uh, some quarterbacks just never get things li- to line up right, and they fail. Tim Couch of the Browns never had everything around him and just failed. Uh, I think David Carr, the quarterback of the Houston Texans, for the, who was there for years, just had an awful setup. He had pe- terrible people around him. And even a guy like Carson Palmer, who's incredibly talented, went to Cincinnati and never had good pieces around him. Never He totally underachieved in his career because despite his talent, he had a bad organization around him. So to some degree, Josh Rosen is a victim of uh, you know being a part of bad organizations. And to some degree, Josh Rosen hasn't delivered him good enough on the football field. And that's painful, but that's honest. Okay, Jackson writes in, he says, what team do you think has the best future? What te- <laughs> well, excuse me. Jackson writes in and says, what team do you think is best set up for the future? Uh, many teams have bright futures in the NFL. Uh, and the best part of the NFL is that it offers hope to so many franchises. Uh, they do such a good job at making it feel like your team has an opportunity to turn things around. And people are going to be really mad because I'm going to have to pick one team and everyone's going to be like, what about my team? And they're going to comment, this is why my team has hope and this or that. And yes, I acknowledge a lot of NFL teams have hope. I like the Panthers head coaching hire. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things. I'm like, I could, there's a lot of ways I could go here. But the one team that came to mind, the first team that came to mind immediately when I read this question from Jackson was the Buffalo Bills. I think the Buffalo Bills have, you know, they made a ton of progress this year. They made the playoffs. They lost in the playoffs. But that's huge, a huge step forward for the Buffalo Bills. And then you look at the pieces that the Bills have. They have a quarterback. They have a great defense. They have a head coach. And their division appears to be up for grabs. The New England Patriots, who have dominated the AFC East for years, appear to be waning. And so I am so excited about the Buffalo Bills' future. They just got to keep building and doing what they're doing. And uh, my only fear for them, for the Buffalo Bills moving forward, is that their quarterback's play style, Josh Allen's play style, the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, he runs around a little bit recklessly. And I'm afraid he's going to get hurt. That's the only thing that could hold back the Buffalo Bills. Otherwise, their potential for the future is gigantic, and I cannot wait to see the future and what happens with the Buffalo Bills. It's going to be awesome. Okay, Josh writes in, This is the second to last question. Josh says, hey, Zach, what do you want to see as a new Monday Night Football? Uh, Excuse me. Josh writes in. Josh says, hey, Zach, who do you want to see as a new Monday Night Football announcers? Um, Josh, maybe it's Tony Romo. Um, I think Tony Romo is the best broadcaster in the business when it comes to being an analyst. Uh, And that's that's what you need, right? The play-by-play is one thing, but a lot of guys can do play-by-play. They need to have a deep really good sounding voice and they need to say he's at the 40 he's at the 30 the quarterback looks he throws that's a lot that's an easier job that a lot of people can do what's um not as easy is having a quarterback who can excuse me, having i got a text it threw me off what's not as easy is having a guy who can do play-by-play and analyze the game and tony romo is so good at analyzing the game on the fly unscripted quick in quick moments he's the best in football at his job. So we need somebody new at ESPN. However, I, and, and look, I, seriously, we need, I, I really hated the ESPN broadcast this year. They were difficult to listen to. I often hit mute. Uh, the people that were doing it said a lot of dumb stuff. And I, look, I, I'm a broadcaster. I say dumb stuff. I don't like going after people, but there were moments where it's like, what are you talking? Like, dude, you're either the broadcaster who was doing it was wrong. And I was like, I disagree so much with that. And there were dumb moments. And I just, I hated, I really hated the ESPN broadcasters. But I really hope that Tony Romo doesn't get that job. Um, you know, ESPN, I've worked for them. They can be tough to work for, especially as a broadcaster. Uh, they like to control everything you do. And so um, as a fan, yeah, 
I would love to see ESPN hire Tony Romo to hear him every Monday doing football games. That'd be awesome. Um, but as a broadcaster, ESPN is really stifling and hard to work for. And so, yes, as a fan, hire Tony Romo. As a broadcaster to broadcaster, I hope Tony Romo doesn't have to work for ESPN and doesn't take the job of the ESPN because uh, I want him to be free. Like for his sake, ESPN's hard to work for and I hope he doesn't have to do that. So that's what I ha- hope happens with. I hope it's somebody. I just hope it's not Tony Romo because I like Tony Romo and I want Tony Romo to be free to enjoy his life and enjoy his job and not be stifled by ESPN. Okay, last question of the day. It's more of a joke. <laughs> John wrote in. John says, Hey Zach, would you ever consider starting another channel called Strong Opinion Jorts? which is the same show, but you have to wear jorts. <laughs> it's a stupid, like, I, you don't even see my legs. Maybe this is where it gets really dark and dangerous is maybe I put a camera on my legs to see my jorts and that's like the, the side angle view and the episode is just a shot of my legs, but that's weird too because that's kind of oddly, oddly weird and you know, we don't, nobody needs that. So um, <laughs> I, just, I just read this on Patreon. I was like, what do I do with this question? Like, this is weird and hilarious. Uh, no idea, but that's what John wrote in and that's what John wanted to use his hard-earned money uh, right in on Patreon with. And I thought I was like, hey, that's interesting enough and funny enough to read on the show. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Uh, I want to remind everybody, if you're struggling, please go get help. Uh, four years ago, my younger brother took his life. It was heartbreaking. And I learned two really painful lessons. Number one, that if you're struggling, please go get help. My brother suffered in silence. He never told anybody he was having a hard time. He never reached out for help. I went into his bedroom one day, found him dead on the floor, and that's the worst. And so the suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255. one 800 that is the suicide hotline. Uh, If you're struggling, go get help. Number two, be clear to the people in your life. Make sure the people in your life know how much you love them, how much you care about them, how much they mean to you. Uh, Tell the people in your life you love them, you care about them. My name is, you know, it's so important. I never really asked my brother how he was doing. I saw him every day. And, uh, you know, we played Halo together all the time. And I never really had a conversation with him with a lot of depth. I never said, hey, how is, uh, how was life? I, we only talked about movies and sports and video games and girls, like superficial things, rather than having a conversation with more depth. So I encourage you, if you're struggling, go get help. And then don't be afraid to have conversations with a little bit more depth. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I hope you're having a great day. And uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are done.